I invite you to remain standing as you are able for the reading of God's holy word coming to us from Acts chapter 5. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostle replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to obey those to, has given to those who obey him. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this portion of God's holy word. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, faith is a fundamental element in my religious life. I go back to the uh, biblical uh, definition, which I believes in Hebrews, where it says, faith is the assurance of hope, things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. And I think in uh, the book of James, it says that faith without works is dead. So I try to incorporate some work along the way in my faith journey. I guess I just grew up with it uh, from my early days in Sunday school, when I actually studied in the catechism. As I grew older, uh, faith became an integral precept in, in my life. Well, faith is a wonderful resource for me. Uh, when my wife died recently, faith gave me comfort and assurance that she had entered into eternal life and was living with Jesus and God. Without faith, the everyday difficulties that we all encounter would simply overwhelm us. Well, faith gives me a pattern to follow in my daily life by helping me follow the teachings of Jesus and maybe helping somebody else in some way. Faith helps me realize that each day will be okay if I follow in the footsteps of Jesus. I guess I follow the uh, philosophy of our basketball coach, Eric Musselman, who says, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And faith helps me do that because without faith, uh, life would be very difficult and, and a real drudgery. But faith is a basic source of a peaceful, godly life. was Garth Martin, one of our members of our church, sharing about what faith means to him and how he lives that out. As we hear our scripture for today, let us consider that for our lives as well. Let us turn to God in an attitude of prayer. 
God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary studying to be a pastor, I had the amazing opportunity to go and to serve for a year in Thailand. So I went across the world and I got to serve with local communities there in Thailand where Christianity is not the leading religion. Only about 5% of the population of Thailand is Christian. Um, Most of that population is Buddhist, um, and there are some other religious affiliations and faith stories and, and faith communities there as well. But as I was there in Thailand, I was working not with the larger Thai population, but in particular with the Hill Tribe peoples. The Hill Tribe peoples are minority ethnic groups that migrated down from China and into Burma and then down to the northern hills of Thailand. And as I was working with these minority populations, It was interesting to learn that while only 5% of the country was Christian, about a third of the hill tribe, the Lahu hill tribe peoples, had converted to Christianity there in that country. Because as I spoke and I asked people about their faith journeys and about what faith meant to them, they said there was something about the message of Jesus, something about the power of his healing and his preaching about the poor and the marginalized, something about this story of resurrection from the depths of despair that spoke to them. As people who experienced struggle and persecution, they said there was something about the gospel message that made a huge difference in their lives. And they wanted to live it out and they wanted to share it so that more and more people could experience the hope and the life that they found in Christ. In our scripture lesson for today, it comes from the book of Acts. Last week in our worship service, we celebrated Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And each year after Easter, um, in our lectionary, that is in assigned scripture readings that many Christians across the world read, comes the book of Acts. Because after Easter Sunday, after the joy of celebrating the risen Savior, after singing our songs and being greeted with flowers and life and experiencing all the joy that is Easter, many times we can then ask, okay, now what? Now what? How are we to live out our lives? And so we get to these readings from the book of Acts that invite us to consider that. Because that is exactly what those first apostles were asking. Jesus had been leading them. They had been following. They had had their leader, their teacher, their friend. And he was the one that was doing all of the things. He was leading them into villages. He was sending them out. He was telling them where to heal. He was teaching and he was preaching. And they were following and they were learning 
But then, after his death and resurrection, Jesus ascends into heaven, goes to be with God, and then it's up to them. Then it's up to them to figure out what they are to do. When they're used to simply following this person in front of them, they're having to be the one to preach and to teach and to heal. And so they begin doing that. And Peter and and John and all of the disciples began this mission of living out their faith in this resurrected way, following the resurrection of Jesus. Peter heals a boy, and after he does, in the name of Jesus, he and John are brought in, though, by leaders that don't, don't want them doing that. They don't, they don't want this upset of the status quo. In, in Matthew's gospel, we hear a testament about how when Jesus was resurrected, the guards at the tomb said, we're not going to say anything about this missing body. We're not going to say anything about that. Because a resurrected Christ, a resurrected person, this person, this human that people were calling Lord and Savior, that went against the fact that the emperor, Caesar, was supposed to be the Lord, supposed to be the Savior of of the people. We can't have that. We can't have people proclaiming the name of Jesus. We can't have people performing miracles in this name. It goes against the society, it goes against the culture, it goes against what people thought they were supposed to be doing. And so Peter and John, after healing, after proclaiming the name of Jesus, are brought in and they are imprisoned. And after they are imprisoned, they break free, and instead of cowering, they go back to doing the exact same thing that got them in prison before. And they go back and preach again, and so that is where we find them today. After they have already been imprisoned once and set free, they are back. And they are back before the Sanhedrin. They are back um, before the leaders of the religious community there that are a part of enforcing the rule of the Roman government. And they are brought before them, and they are questioned. And the gist of what they say is, we can't help it. (laughs) We can't not heal. We can't not proclaim the name of Jesus. We can't not live out our faith. This is who we are. We are witnesses. And the Holy Spirit is our witness as we witness, as we share what has been done for us as we share the power of the resurrected Christ that matters, that makes a difference, that changes people's lives. We can't help it. We must bear witness. This is what we must do. Now, as we come to this conversation between the leaders of the Sanhedrin and the disciples, we get some language that can be dangerous for us as we receive it. As they say that you were the ones that killed Jesus. 
that you were the ones that killed Jesus. You killed him, and God raised him from the dead. And over the years, these words of Peter have been used to justify countless terrible acts, including the Holocaust, against people of Jewish descent. And as we read this then, we can't find ourselves reading this and, and, and simply reading this as, a, as an act of blame for other people because not only is that, can that be dangerous as it has been throughout history, but it's also not necessarily true. It was the Roman government that executed people and it was the Roman government that put Jesus on the cross, but, but I don't think that the point of the blame game here is what we're supposed to get out of this scripture to begin with. Because I don't think that the question we should be asking is whose fault it was that Jesus is killed, but, but what God could do out of that. That out of this tragedy and out of this horror, God brought new life. God brought resurrection. God brought the Holy Spirit empowering people in faith. Empowering people in faith. God brought something amazing out of this horrible situation. And I believe that is what we're meant to latch onto. The fact that in the face of tragedy, in the face of suffering, in the face of all that is, is bad, that is what the apostles are facing. They're facing tragedy. They're facing suffering. They're facing struggle. And yet, they continue to hold on to their faith. They continue to hold on to what they know to be true, which is that the Holy Spirit is empowering them to face whatever comes because of the knowledge and the reassurance of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, faith is not a promise of a life of ease and comfort. <laughs> Having faith in Christ and knowing the resurrected Christ doesn't mean that we won't experience death. It doesn't mean that we won't experience struggle and suffering. It doesn't mean that life is just gonna be hunky-dory. But it does mean that as we face struggle, as we face grief, as we face difficulty, as we face suffering and sickness, as we face diagnoses that have us questioning what life will be, as we face the violence that seems to succeed in our world and in our neighborhoods, as we face all of these things, we do so with the reassurance that because of the presence of the resurrected Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, we can be empowered to get through all of that. There's something different about this gospel. It changes our lives. The people with whom I interacted in Thailand, their lives from our Western perspective, look really difficult, and they were difficult. They lived in homes without running water. 
They sometimes wondered if they would find food. I saw children digging through the dirt for, for bugs so that they would have protein in their meals. They lived in incredible poverty. Many of them were victims of incredible violence, and yet they would come together in these bamboo huts of houses of worship and find something that kept them going through it. And they said, we can't help but bear witness to what this gospel means to us to how it changes, not our exterior circumstances, but changes the way that we can face those circumstances. The ways that we can get through those difficult times. Garth talked about that in his faith testimony that we heard today, that when his wife died, it was faith that enabled and allowed him to continue, that allowed him hope and comfort. Faith enables us and empowers us because it is a faith in one greater than us to face that which comes. As the apostles bore witness to this faith, it could not be contained. You know, the word witness, right? We've, we've seen, if you've ever seen an episode of Law and Order or the movie Legally Blonde or anything, we know what witnesses do. Witnesses are those that testify, that share the story of what they themselves have experienced, right? You can't say, well, my buddy down the road saw the guy you know, escaping in the stolen car. That's hearsay, I believe. Looking at my lawyer over here, yeah. It's hearsay, right? A witness is supposed to testify to what they directly have experienced. And that is what the apostles are doing. They have a direct experience that Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, has changed their lives. And they cannot help but share that because other people need to experience it too. So this week, as you go forth into your lives, as you face difficulties and struggles, as there are cancer diagnoses, as there are job losses or financial strains, as there is news that would have us believe that violence will rule and reign. In all of these things, I invite you to look for where God is moving. That's a question that we ask during a lot of mission camps that I go to. Where have you seen God moving? Where have you witnessed, experienced firsthand a nudge or a tug or a comfort given directly by God or by a friend who extends love. Where is God moving? As you face your struggles and difficulties this week, as you go forth into the world, I invite you to look for where God is moving, to witness what God is doing, and to bear witness to God in this world. 
so that we can be better empowered, better equipped, better ready to face those difficulties that come in our lives. Because they will come. Faith doesn't eliminate suffering. But with the power of the Holy Spirit and the risen Christ, we are able to face it. We're able to face it with the assurance that this is not the end, that God brings life even in the most difficult of circumstances, and that applies to us as well. Thanks be to God indeed.